Hey everyone, welcome back to Cedar in Cyprus. We're so excited to have you with us for our actual final episode of this mini series that we did that turned into like, I guess, five episodes if you count everything together. Um, But thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to be talking about singleness and this episode topic kind of emerged from the conversations that we had with some of you on Instagram and in our lives as we went through the first few episodes of this sexual faithfulness series, we'll call it. Um, And we just figured that this was a really important addition to the conversation to talk about what it, what it means to live out your faith in singleness um, for any of the reasons or circumstances that that might be, you know, what, what someone's life looks like, whether that's um, intentional and purposeful that they've chosen or whether it's just the circumstance that God has them in. We're going to be discussing that today. Um, And on that note that that kind of emerged through conversations on Instagram, we just wanted to thank every single person who has reached out to us, whether uh, loved ones who reached out in person or anyone that has reached out to us online and just shared positive feedback or even constructive feedback for making our podcast better. We just want to thank everybody for that. It has meant so much to us and it's just been so positive and phenomenal to hear some of your testimonies or things that you've shared or even episode ideas. Just keep that coming. You can find us on Instagram or email us, which you could also find on our Instagram as well. Before we jump into that topic, Liv, what was the best part of your week? Um, well, before I say that, I did also just want to say thank you too. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, (laughs) yeah, we've received so much support, um, just from a bunch of people, um, that we know and some people that we don't know. So that has just been really, really cool. Just really sweet messages about how this has impacted you or just being, um, really encouraging and telling us to keep it up. Um, so, um, either way, if any of you guys have messaged us, thank you so much. It means the world to us. It really does. Um, now let's talk about me. I'm just kidding. Um, so, (laughs) um, that's part of my week. I mean, obviously this week was Easter. This past weekend was Easter. So that was probably the best part. You know, it was super fun trying to think of like specifics. We, my husband and I like got to go to church. We got to hang out with the middle schoolers during service. So that was super fun. We led like a middle school group. Um, and then we got some coffee with some friends that came in from out of town. We didn't know they were coming. So that was super fun. Cause, um, they moved like six months ago. We haven't seen them since. So that was awesome. We were really excited to see them and just catch up for a little bit. So that was good. And we went to uh, my in-laws house and um, had really yummy food. And we hung out and just played cornhole. And um, they were playing this like golf game thing. I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't golf. So like, I know I nothing about really, golf. I yeah, I couldn't that. really do it. I couldn't hang, but I was just watching because it was just kind of funny. It was basically just like – it was like skee-ball, but with a golf – with golf. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, like that you hit the fun. golf ball on this tiny little green and then like try to hit it into these like <laughs> like three-level holes. Anyway, it was funny. So, yeah, that was probably the best part of my week. It was a really good day. I also yeah. got plants on Saturday, so that was yes. exciting. That's always the exciting, most exciting part. Yeah, golf is. is kind of a mystery to me. My husband's brother came down this past weekend and stayed with us because it was Easter. He stayed in our spare bedroom. And one of the days we played the Nintendo Mario Golf on his Nintendo Switch. 
And <laughs> like even a virtual version of it, I still don't get it. I don't understand the rules. I kept asking him like, what's a bogey? And he's like, when it's one less than par, one over par. And I'm like, what's par? I don't know what any of this is. You can't use golf yeah. language to explain golf to me, but I digress. So I have mine ready. I'm ready. I know what the best part of my week was besides Easter, of course. Okay, hit it. So this past week, my husband and I had the stomach virus, which is not the highlight. That's not the best part. I was like, wow, that's a great week. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll explain. And for some reason, it like ran through him in one day and it took me like five days to recover. So the first day I felt better. I was like, I really want to go out to a restaurant and just have a date. I haven't been outside the house not even to go to the gym or do anything for five days. So we went out to nice dinner and treated ourselves. And I convinced him, this is the best part of the week that I convinced him to like come up with baby names because <laughs> he thinks it's like the most ridiculous game ever, right? Like to come up with kid names to use in the future. But I convinced oh, him to do, do this that. activity with me and he rolled his eyes, but he still did it. So that was fun. Um, and of course... <laughs> We had, you know, boy and girl names, but we also came up with pet names because we want to get a dog. So that was Aww. a really fun part of the week, planning our dog's name. That's so cute. It's so wholesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie and I already have like all of our children named, even though like we don't know when that's going to happen. We also don't know if we're going to have boys or girls or exactly. one or the other or both. But for some reason, we have like six names picked out, even though like I do not plan on having six children <laughs> you have sounds to be like prepared a, way too many <laughs> be ready yeah you gotta have options you know exactly. like yeah but we already know for sure like what our first girl and boy would be named so. that's awesome yeah, yeah we came up with like a lot of first names we don't have like full names oh out. we have the full names you guys are ready. You guys are yeah, obsessed. we're ready. Apparently, <laughs> like ready oh. for the names, but not ready for kids yet. Yep, yep. Well, that's the easy part coming up with cute names. I know uh, raising it is. the children and caring. Wait, for what them. were some of yours? I'm curious. Um, okay, the pet ones or the human ones? I mean both. Okay, <laughs> I'll just give you like a couple. For the girls' names, we really liked Nora, oh, Eden, and Rowan. And Summer. Ooh, Rowan. So those I are like couple. Yeah, boys, those are unique. For boys, we really liked Emmett, mm-hmm. Finn, Graham, and Lucas. Oh, those are cute. I like um, those. I like those a lot. And then for dogs, we really like Anakin, like Star Wars. Anakin. <laughs> um, cute, cute. Tiberius, which is a weird fixation that my husband really loves that name for a dog. I mean, you and have to have like, some weird names for dogs. Super basic one, just like Lucy and Zeus for dogs. Aw, that's cute, cute names though. So I know yeah. we also have all our pets' names, even though we don't have them. I need to hear these names. But, so we just like decided one day that we were going to get a golden retriever, and we we're going to uh-huh. name him George. <gasps> that's so cute. I love that, isn't it? Okay, there. There was one day though. My husband. Okay, for those of you who don't know, my husband's name is Charlie. I mean, like Charles, but we call him Charlie. So, um, we saw this like Instagram video, and it was like of a golden retriever named Charlie. And he was like, "That's such a cute name for a golden retriever. I want a golden retriever named Charlie." And I was like, "You want a golden retriever with your own name? Like, no, no, I can't have that because I'm going to be calling the dog, and you're going to come running. Like, that's not going to work." But yeah. And then we also wanted to have like 
at first it was one, but then eventually it just like turned into like six wiener dogs. Yes. Little dachshunds. Yeah. Absolutely. Go yeah. for it. And so we wanted, we wanted to have them. And we kind of had a burning joke that we would like name them all theologian names. <laughs> so we just like, we'd have like Calvin and Spurgeon and Luther <laughs> and like, you know, like George would be George Whitfield. Like, <laughs> I love that so much. Oh that's, my gosh. that's like our running joke, but that's amazing. We don't even have any pets yet. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But. yeah that's amazing. Oh gosh. Good weeks we had. Um, yes. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our episode. So we want to give just a quick disclaimer the way we have for every other episode that we are going to talk briefly about sex and marriage and some adult topics. So if there are little ones around, if you wanted to pause this and listen at a different time, we just wanted to give you that disclaimer to use uh, discretion when you listen to this. Um, but really, I think we've we've mentioned already, this conversation came out of the fact that we wanted to talk about how marriage is not the only way to live out your faith. It's not the only way that you can be faithful to God and to live into his purposes for you. So that's the primary reason. So we wanted to, again, like with the other episodes, reveal and combat the lies that we hear about singleness from culture, or even within the church. So Liv's actually just going to get us started on our first lie here. Yeah. So we're going to kind of do the same format that we've been doing where we just talk about some lies. Um, So today we have six total. So I'm going to start with the first one. So the first lie of singleness is that you cannot be content or whole as a single person. Um, I think this is something that we, we don't just hear, but we feel a lot of times, like when you are single, because you're kind of just, I don't want to say like told this directly, maybe sometimes. um, But we see this kind of in the church a lot where it's like, married people are the happy ones. They're the ones that are like content and like they're the ones that are fulfilling their ministry the way that it was meant to be. And, you know, they're content in life, Um, which first of all, it's not always true because we don't find our contentment in another person. We find our contentment in Christ. But I think we also feel that sometimes like when we are in a, it sounds like such a cliche, like church term, but when we are in like a season of singleness yep. or if you're someone who, you know, feels a pull to being single and you, you know, have been single your whole life and you just kind of have people insinuating constantly that you're not content or whole as a single person. Like you're not enough. If you're just single. Again, we just kind of want to reiterate that contentment is not found in any person, but it's found within Christ. That is the only place that we can find true contentment is in Jesus. Um, so the world often tells us that as single people, our contentment should be found in another person or in ourselves. Sometimes we hear that too. It's like, you know, you can just kind of look within, look inward and find your contentment there. Just be happy with yourself, um, which again is something we kind of addressed in our sexual liberalism um, episode, just talking about like loving yourself and being happy with where you're at in life. But ultimately that is always going to come up short. We're never going to be completely content if we're looking inwardly or looking to another person um, because then ultimately we are looking to fallen, broken human beings in order to provide us contentment which is never going to be enough. Ultimately, we were created to know and to worship and to glorify the Lord. So in that true satisfaction can only be found in him. Um, And this can be seen through um, a lot of people throughout scripture that we see um, in the Bible who 
kind of ended up with nothing left. And in those times, Jesus, God was their contentment. You know, they still worshiped the Lord. They still looked to him, even in times where literally everything was taken away from them. Um, I'm sure everyone who has ever read the Bible has thought of Job by now, um, as I've been saying this. So Job is a huge example of that. Someone who literally had everything stripped away from him, who was told by friends that he needed to repent because it must have been a punishment for something that he had done when that wasn't true. He was also told by his wife that he should just curse God and die um, because it was just at that point. And he still remained faithful to the Lord. He still glorified the Lord. He worshiped the Lord in that time, um, even through grieving, even through hardship and sadness when he literally had nothing left. So I think that in and of itself kind of shows us when we have nothing left in this life, when we're stripped of everything else, we can still be content in the Lord. Um, and obviously Job is like the extreme example, <laughs> but um, it's definitely true. We also see that with like Paul and Silas when they were in prison, they sang worship songs to the Lord. We see that with David when he was running from Saul, he kind of had everything taken from him. I think David is a really cool example too, because his life, if you read about his life, it's just a complete roller coaster. It's like up and down because he has really triumphant moments, like the story that a lot of people know, which is David and Goliath when he defeats uh, the Philistine giant. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, God defeated him, but used David uh, as a means to do that. And so that's a really high point. We have really low points when he's running away from Saul, who has who tried to kill him over 10 times, which mm-hmm. is crazy to me. And then we have these moments that uh, come up really high almost when he had his affair with Bathsheba and there was kind of that fleeting pleasure and then immediate rocket back down into shame into the mm-hmm. consequences of his sin and so those are a couple examples just he just goes back and forth constantly but you will see close to the end of his life too he is brought very low and even though he was married he had many women and he had anything you could think someone would want like wealth success fame he was completely famed throughout israel he was probably the most famous person had any woman he wanted and his life kind of ended in tragedy like a lot of them do just a lot of sadness and realizing looking back over your brokenness and so he's a really good example too just like job of how when we seek our worth and our value in created things and that could be another person in in marriage or in a relationship that isn't marriage in a friend even when we seek any worth or eternal worth in something that's temporary any created thing it could be a career it could be a pursuit you have something that you really really want to do, it's going to fail. It's going to disappoint you just like any other fallen person would. That's really what we're getting at here that whether, regardless of whether you're single or married, there are going to be idols in your life. There's going to be things that you pursue that are not lasting. And so when we do, we don't, you know, we don't need help doing that. C.S. Lewis talks about how, you know, our heart is like an idol factory. We create them. We don't need extra help trying to seek out and find idols. Mm -hmm. So all that being said, that in marriage, the, your spouse is going to disappoint you. You're going to have moments where you don't feel love for them. And so you can even see that just through the divorce rates and the marriages that end and the unhappy marriages are ones that have unfaithfulness that person is not going to bring you that joy. It's only God. Yeah, I think it's important to point out it's it's one of those things where it kind of looks like a surface problem when you look at like marriages that fall apart are people who are just feeling really lonely in singleness. But ultimately, it really is something that comes down to like, where is your heart in that? Like, what are you truly seeking? Um, What are you truly finding joy and treasure in? Um, Is it Christ or is it, you know, the things that are around you? Is it making an idol out of 
you know, a possible future spouse or out of that desire. Cause you know, those desires are good things or things that God instilled in us, you know, to want to have a companion, you know, God said that it is not good for man to be alone. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a future lie here. Just, um, talking about how like intimacy is not just for a married couple though. Like you can not be alone when you're single by surrounding yourself with other people and church communities, um, family, et cetera. So, um, one other person I did want to talk about just briefly is Solomon. Um, I don't know why, but I just thought of him now. (laughs) He's a good example. (laughs) We were talking. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about him and what he wrote in Ecclesiastes one, just Solomon was, um, the son of David. He became the King of Israel. So I just wanted to read what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes one, um, cause he was someone who truly had it all. He had all the riches you could ever want. He had over 700 wives and concubines. (laughs) This man had like what a lot of people would say is like everything, Um, And this is what he says about it. After he has experienced everything that he could ever want, all the wealth, all the women, all the food, you know, all the palaces, like everything you could ever want. This is what he says. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind and on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been, what has been, it uh, is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Um, So he kind of goes on in chapter two as well to just kind of talk about how everything under the sun is meaningless. Um, And again, this is someone who had everything that a human heart could ever desire on this earth, every earthly joy and pleasure. And he basically just says it's all for nothing that we just see, like, you can kind of just feel the emptiness in his writing. Like these things just continue. They happen over and over again, and it's going to happen again, just like it did yesterday. And like nothing means anything under the sun. So that's kind of just important to remember, like you can have everything this world has to offer and still come up short when it comes to contentment, because we were created to know and enjoy and love Christ where there is just an overflow of contentment and abundance of provision in him. Completely agree. Solomon's a great example. And if you read his writings, you'll 100% see that. So that kind of leads us to line number two, which says that in the church, married people are more important or more qualified for ministry, and they're more equipped to be leaders than those who are single because they somehow have magical, more experience or abilities. (laughs) This one is really, really damaging because it's it's just not true, first of all. Right. And we also see there's a lot of single people in the Bible that did amazing things for God and that God will use you regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your marital status, wealth status, uh, any other status. God will use you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, which is 
a recurring passage on this podcast. It yeah, is well, good. Yes. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. I wish that all of you were as I am, meaning single, because he was not married. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has the, this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. So Paul looked at singleness as a, a gift, not as a curse, not as a label of unwanted or any other things that you might label yourself because you're single. If you want to be married, um, Paul looked at it as an opportunity. And as someone who is single, you have the advantage of time, just honestly, practically more time over those who are married, because I, mean, I don't know about you, Liv, but once I got married, I just noticed my schedule fill up so quickly because it's not just my time anymore. My time belongs to my spouse and also to his family for events, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. And even if you want to say yes to a commitment or an event, you have to make sure you check that with your spouse. All those different things are added to your timetable. So you can you can serve wholeheartedly and say yes to things immediately when you know you can as a single person. And so that's not to look at marriage as a nuisance or a bother or anything like that, but just Paul was just speaking practically when you're single, it's easier for you to schedule and to use your time and talents than it is for married people. So he looked at it as a great thing, an opportunity Mm -hmm. truly for ministry to be done completely. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's, almost funny like it's not funny but it's almost funny um because i think it's just this unspoken thing in the church where it's like well married people are like a level up like they've kind of leveled up when it comes to their life and their ministry and what they're supposed to be doing on this earth because as a christian person you're supposed to get married and have a family but that's not always true in fact based on what paul says it actually sounds like singleness is the better option like he talks about how, um, obviously, you know, he says, I wish all of you could be as I am, um, stay unmarried as I do. Um, and then he basically goes on to say like, but if you are struggling, if you are struggling with any sexual temptation or immorality, then you should get married because it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, so he literally tells people to get married in order to kind of be able to manage that, lustful passion and not like that's the only reason to get married but that's basically what he's saying here is that singleness is actually the better choice if you are just going to live your life serving the lord which is what all believers are called to do Um, if the point of our life is truly to glorify god and enjoy him forever then singleness is kind of the better option in that Um, unless of course being single is causing you to sin Um, which is basically what Paul is saying here. So not only is being single the better option, but it's like not looked at that way a lot of times in the church, which is sad because it's kind of like when you are single, you surely can just chase after the Lord with everything that you have, you know, because you're not being tied down by um, someone else's needs, someone else's desires, someone else's wants. Um, And again, not that that's a bad thing. It's actually, you know, it's a beautiful thing and it's sanctifying. However, you don't have to consider those things. So you can truly just spend all of your time, all of your resources chasing after the Lord because you really only have yourself to look out for. Um, So moving into line number three, this one is controversial. (laughs) I like to do that here, guys. I know I do. I just feel like I need to preface it every time I'm about to say something like get people ready. 
spicy. Yeah. So line number three is that sex is a need, not a want. So if you're single in the church and you're told to remain celibate, this is unhealthy and this is wrong. That is not actually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is not actually true. Um, So there is also the lie from sexual liberalism at play here. Um, you know, that you should have fun, that you should be able to do whatever you want. And singleness is synonymous with sexual freedom. Um, so with that said, while sex is a desire that God gave us for the sake of procreation and for the sake of enjoyment in the intimacy of marriage, it is not actually a need to survive. Some people do not agree with that. They're like, nope, you need sex if you're going to live. And it's like, that's not true. (laughs) You could not have sex once your entire life. You'd be just fine. So sex is not a need like food or water are like you don't need it to survive. Um, So in that way, you know, while there is a very strong desire for that in a lot of us, you know, something that's been instilled in us and that's not a bad thing. um, It isn't actually a need. The physical act of having sex is not actually a need for survival. Um, So Paul talks about the fact that each person is given a gift. Um, So one can have the gift of strong self-control or of singleness, um, you know, where they, this temptation might not cause them to sin. Um, Paul states that if one cannot remain pure though, then they should marry. So this is not the case for every person. Um, Just like Paul remained single and used his life to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, others have the same gift. Um, So again, just like we were saying before, you know, this isn't a gift, I'm sorry, this isn't a curse. It is a gift. Um, You know, it's the ability, it's the gift, it's the blessing to truly just serve the Lord wholeheartedly without any kinds of distractions. We don't want to minimize the feeling that when you're single, that you kind of feel like you're being swung back and forth between the church and what society is telling you. So society is saying you should be sexually active. You should be free. You should do whatever you want. And they would even say singleness is better because you don't have to worry about someone else. Like who cares about others? Like do whatever you want. Whereas the church is like constantly asking, when are you getting married? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Like what's going on? I don't know if that was your experience, but that happens a lot. And I think it happens a lot to young people who are like right in the twenties range or thirties range and they're not married yet. And people are asking him things. And they constantly have to feel like they have to explain for themselves where it's like, no, God never changes. He, he stands right here in the middle. He explains himself clearly, consistently, and he never changes. And that's the best part of it all. Like when we talk about what we need to sustain ourselves, food and water, but also the Bible talks about like God's word being like the bread of life and Jesus Mm -hmm. being the bread of life. When we talk about, I think, I mean, even in Psalms, the scriptures are referred to by the psalmist as light. You can't even walk without it because it lights your path. And I know that Psalm also talks about a person that is in God's word being like a tree next to water. So the Bible is actually that food and water, that sustenance that you need to survive. Jesus is that. And so Mm -hmm. it's not sex. It's it's not either of those things, whether you're single and the society's trying to tell you that you should be sexually free and active versus the church is pushing you like you need to get married so you can have sex and have kids and all that. All those lies are things that constantly get thrown at you and you feel like you're just being bounced back and forth all the time. You can remain in and trust in God because he never changes. He's not going to do that to you. He's just right. going to he's going to lead you in whatever circumstances you are in right now. That's the encouragement really for this one. So this leads us to our fourth lie, which is if you want to get married, you will. 
which is a really hard one. Um, this slide tells you that people who have the gift of singleness have no desire to get married. And we, we wanted to talk about this because it's important to talk about why people are single. We, I mentioned earlier in this episode, some people choose to be single. Some people want to be married desperately, and that's just not the circumstance they're in. They maybe have been through relationships that didn't work out. Uh, been through various heartbreaks, or maybe they've never dated anyone and they just never found the right person to be with. We recognize there's all all different types of reasons why someone may choose to or be single. And I wanted to add a really quick aside here, just before I jump more into this one, that when we talk about choosing to be single, we're talking about that you feel a genuine call from the Lord, that this is the mission he's placed on your life. We are not talking about like a complete fear and aversion to intimacy that is choose, is causing you to push people away when it might be a good relationship for you. So we recognize that those are things that people experience as well. And the healing that we receive from fear and from disappointment and heartbreak are kind of separate things, but we just want to kind of add that aside that for those who've chosen to be single, it's because you, you feel genuinely that the Lord is calling you to that in your life. And like we talked about, singleness, we don't always know how long different seasons or periods in our life are going to last. And singleness is just like that. Even marriage is like that because you have no guarantee of how long we'll live. I'm just going to say it like, you know, Mm -hmm. things happen. And so whether it's singleness or marriage or any other period in your life, we don't know how it's going to, how long it's going to last. With marriage, you do make the commitment for life, but things happen. And perhaps your singleness will be just for a season. Perhaps it will be really, really long. And those are just guarantees that God doesn't give us for anything. He doesn't give us a roadmap. At least I don't know anyone that's gotten a play-by-play criteria and itinerary for their life, but that's really what he calls you. Just to be faithful to him and every single day. Cause that's the very most that you can do. That's the most that you can do is just wake up and follow him every single day in your singleness or in your marriage. And it really comes back to what Paul says in a different letter, actually Philippians and chapter four, Paul says, He's talking about a situation where he's been, I think this was when he was talking about his imprisonment, if if I'm correct. And he's talking about Mm -hmm. what it's like to have nothing. And then also he's had periods in his life that were completely fruitful and flourishing. So he's talking here. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. Just adding Paul has been brought very low at this point. He has nothing left. He goes on to say, and I know how to abound and any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me referring to Jesus. This mm-hmm. comes back to what we've really been saying is that contentment is found in Christ alone. Paul knew it. Paul knew it even at his lowest moment and even leading up to his death in moments where he's imprisoned at his lowest points, marriage or singleness no matter what he's chasing, nothing would have satisfied him and they won't satisfy us now. Nothing will accept Christ. It was true for Paul then and it's true for us now. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts you had on that, Liv? Yeah, for sure. I think um, it just always comes back whatever we're talking about, Um, you know, and especially in the case of singleness that, you know, our lives are not about us. Mm. Um, you know, that's a huge misconception that we see in culture and sometimes even in church, but ultimately our lives are truly for the Lord. Um, they are for serving him, for glorifying him, for knowing him, for being known by him. Um, and so ultimately 
because our lives are not about us, you know, God will lead us to serve him in whatever way, you know, is ultimately going to bring the most glory to him. And that may make him sound like selfish or, um, you know, like God is all about God, but we have to understand that like, you know, God is the ultimate being in the entire, you know, universe, like in all of existence, God is the most supreme, the highest, the most transcendent, the most glorious, the holiest, the most loving, the most kind, the most truth-filled being that is ever going to exist and ever has existed. Um, So in that, you know, when we look at God that way, you know, obviously God is worthy of our worship. Um, And so that is what our lives are ultimately supposed to be about um, is him. So if that means that we can serve him in the best capacity of being married and he leads us into that, then great. But if that means that our lives, you know, can be wholly devoted to him as a single person without falling into sexual sin, then great, (laughs) you know, because ultimately it truly is about him. So um, I know there was this one, um, I went to a Bible school um, at one point. And I remember, um, when I first kind of realized the falsity or the falsehood of this lie was when someone was speaking. And I remember her talking about how she had always wanted to be married. It was always a desire of hers. It was always something that she hoped for when she was a little girl. Um, and she just kind of, she was like in her, in her fifties at this point, she Mm -hmm. was just kind of talking about how, um, even though that was something that she always wanted, um, she just knew that if that was something that was supposed to be in her life, that like God would bring it to be. Um, so she was just going to focus on him her entire life, you know, as much as she could. Um, you know, of course there were low moments in that I'm sure where she felt lonely or she felt hopeless you know, like there wasn't any hope, um, in having a relationship in the future. Um, but ultimately she put her hope in Christ and she, um, just sought him with everything that she had. And, you know, that's what she lived her life for. And that is not a wasted life. You know, that is, um, honestly, scripture says that that's better than being married. (laughs) So she devoted herself to Christ and that is, you know, such a beautiful thing. Um, and I know that might sound like kind of the churchy answer of like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. Just focus on Jesus. And if it's supposed to be, it'll be, but like, that truly is what our lives are about. Um, that kind of brings us to our fifth lie, um, which is that singleness is a curse, not a gift, which we've kind of mentioned already. Um, but just to kind of reiterate the fact that the ultimate purpose of our lives is to know Christ and to enjoy him forever. So with that said, um, this can be pursued without barriers or hindrance by a single person. Um, desires for family and for marriage are very real. We're not going to discount that, um, but they are not bad desires. Um, you know, but these unmet desires are opportunities to rely and to grow in true contentment in Christ. Um, honestly, he often uses painful earthly situations to remind us to be eternally minded and to learn to trust in him more fully. Um, I know I've seen this in my own life, um, you know, where God continually reminds me to be eternally minded. And what I mean by that is just remembering that this world is a very, very small part of eternity. Um, this world is just a, a fraction of it. You know, eternity is is very hard to think about. It's very hard to comprehend. But truly, our entire life on this earth is just a small part of it. Um, and the rest of it will be, you know, enjoying and glorying in Christ in heaven. So 
I know that he definitely has used these situations in my own life. Um, you know, through honestly the time that I was single, um, like I was telling Allison right before we recorded this, that I remember while I did get married very young for what a lot of people would say is meagering age, if you will. I got married when I was 22. I wanted to be married like as young as possible from the time that I was like five. Um, and so when I got married at 22, I had been wanting to get married since I was 18. You know, and so for that four year period, it was just every day I would think about it like all the time. It was something that was on my mind. And I think sometimes it kind of became an idol to me. And there were just so many times where God would continuously kind of, you know, break me down from that and remind me of who he is in my life and that he is, um, you know, worth my full attention, my full um, devotion even if I'm desiring, you know, that in my life and that, um, I really was to seek his kingdom first, not, you know, anything that I desired personally. And that was really hard. It was really hard. Honestly, sometimes it was brutal. I remember several times where I was just crying, you know, on the floor, like very, very distraught by it. Um, but truly it did allow me to grow in my relationship with him to truly trust him and to just know him more fully. Yeah. I think that God, God does this thing with us. It's kind of like a toddler, almost like with an iPad at a family gathering and everyone's there and God's kind of like the parent. And he's like, he has to take that like tablet out of your hand so you could look up and see the wonder and the joys that is around you. And depending on the person you are, it might take different things to get your attention. So with some of us, I think he'll gently tug at it and he'll be like, Hey, Hey, there's something going on around you. I want you to look up and pay attention about what's going on in your life. And there's some of us who really need it to like the tablet to just be ripped out of our hands. And I'm that kind of person. And yeah, <laughs> to get to get my attention, that's what he does. And it hurts. It really hurts in the moment when there's an idol in your life that's been ripped out of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was a relationship that I had before I got married and the guy I was dating because. I had made an idol out of what I wanted that relationship to be instead of being realistic about what it was, which was good, you know, good for the time and a really, really good learning experience and helped me learn a lot about dating, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the end game for me. And I was just holding onto it so tightly, trying so hard to make it work. Even after it had ended there, I wanted to get back together and fix things. And God had to rip that idol out of my hand, the idol that I had made out of that relationship, what I had envisioned for my future, the grief and the disappointment I had to experience it, not living into what I thought that that relationship would be. And Mm -hmm. I think he does that even with singleness and people that are idolizing marriage. There may be a circumstance or a way in your life. He's just really had to get your attention and that's just, that's just true for me. He does, he does that because he loves us because it, it's such a waste to right. stare down at your device the whole time when you could be with your loved one. Like that's just kind of the metaphor that I thought of in the moment. There's plenty of other better ones probably, but just that he has ways of getting our attention and saying like, Hey, look up, there's something better going on around you. And I want you to experience it. So right. for me, it was a previous relationship that I had before I, I was married and just like how badly sometimes we want those things to work out. And so just speaking as two married people, if you're single and you're kind of like, okay, well, they're just two married women talking down to me about what I'm going through. It's like, no, we, we've been there and we've been there with you. And of course we're not single anymore, but we've had heartbreak. We've been through experiences, relationships that didn't work as we wanted them to. And so we just want to encourage you from that experience that we've had ourselves that 
um, that God's going to get you through it. And it's going to, it might be painful. I mean, almost the Bible kind of guarantees us that those things are going to be painful when he prunes out as part of our lives. So whatever it takes for him to say, I want your eyes on me. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to read a verse from James um, that just kind of talks about how uh, Christians are called to regard the unwanted, um, you know, unexpected, even unwelcome circumstances as uh, gifts in our lives. um, And that these are opportunities to just recognize our reliance on God and and truly learn to trust him. Um, So it's James one, two through four, which says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. So this verse basically tells us that in any trials that we experience, you know, whether that be loneliness or, you know, whether we feel like singleness is a trial or when our marriages feel like a trial or, um, you know, just what have you, like any type of trial that you face in your life that we should count it all joy. Um, cause trials of various kinds ultimately lead us to steadfastness in our faith, um, lead us to trusting in the Lord, um, as someone who is so much farther above this world, you know, than we could ever see or ever truly know, because I know that we obviously live in it. And this seems like the most real thing to us right now. Um, but honestly, God is the, the realest thing in all of existence. Um, and someday, you know, we will, we will see that when, you know, when the earth has been restored at the end of time, or when we see Jesus, you know, at the end of our time here on earth. So for our sixth and final lie, I'm just going to read it out for us here. And it is, you need to be married to experience intimacy. And I actually wanted to look up the word intimacy just because it's a word I feel like we use a lot. And I personally, I don't know if everyone feels this way, but I personally don't feel like I truly knew what I meant by that all the time. And the dictionary defines it as a close association, detailed or affectionate, loving personal relationship with another person. So when you know someone well, you know someone deeply. And there is this lie that you can only experience intimacy truly if you're married with your spouse. But the truth is that, like we've talked about, there is no intimacy, fulfillment, or joy that is compared to the relationship that we have with God. And that could be any relationship we have, spouse or otherwise. Um, We know that intimacy is rooted in the Lord. He created, he Within the Trinity, there is intimacy, familiarity, there is a relationship there. And you can experience intimacy as a as a single person in your relationships with God, but also in your church community, your friendships with your family. It's because intimacy does not equal sex. Intimacy can be physical in a marriage, but it can also be mental, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual. And so when we talk about what it means to fully be known and to know someone else deeply. That's something that you can pursue in relationships that are not necessarily in marriage. And first of all, with God, because he knows you deeply. And when you're single, like we've talked about, you have all that extra time as well to be in the word and to be getting to know him better and better. So that's really what we mean by this one. Just to combat that lie that you can't experience intimacy if you're not married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the main point that we kind of want to get across just throughout this entire message is that you, you know, can live like a full purpose-filled life with contentment, with intimacy, with people, with closeness, with true community 
without getting married. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that, you know, being single is something that will last a lifetime. And sometimes it might, but even in like a time of singleness, you know, if you are for just a season of your life, you can still do these things and experience, um, you know, a full life and truly a full life of living for the Lord, which is what we were created to do, you know, without getting married. Um, and so we want to just put that out there, um, because we know that the church doesn't always make that clear and we really should, you know, we really should make that clear to people in the church that like, we need you to serve just as much as anyone who's married. We want you to serve. We want you to be there. We want you to be involved in community. We want you to host community groups. We want you to be involved in outreaches, you know, what have you. So um, I kind of just wanted to end with a verse uh, from Ecclesiastes 3. uh, Well, eight verses to be exact. So not just a verse, (laughs) but um, this is a section just called a time for everything. Um, So it says for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to pass away, a time to to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Um, So ultimately, you know, our, our lives are, uh, very up and down our lives will have several different seasons of um, just different things. And, you know, there's a time for everything under the sun. Um, but ultimately just want to encourage you to truly look to the Lord and seek contentment and seek wholeness um, in him. Cause he is the source of all life. Did you have any concluding thoughts on any of this, Allison? Just to reiter- reiterate everything that we've been saying is that to just trust God in everything because He's the one that authored time. We've talked about the fact that he transcends time, that he created it, even just as a system to help us keep track of things that we don't know how long these times last in our lives. It could it could really be our whole life that we're single or really be our whole life that we're married, that we're, gonna, we're going to, th- to go through things. But just the, the fact that you're not alone. When Ecclesiastes talks about there's nothing new under the sun, that people have ex- been experiencing pain, heartbreak, loss since the beginning of time and that we have a God that also can relate to all those things. The Bible says clearly we don't have a God that can't relate to the problems of the face, the struggles that we face. And so as someone who is fully God, but made himself fully man and fully experienced even probably the pain, so much pain of loneliness you can see in Jesus's life. He knows, he knows how you feel, run to him, share that with him. He wants to be in that with you and comfort you through that. Yeah, absolutely. Seek refuge in him. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I hope that um, this was able to encourage you in some way, um, you know, just to provide some hope and some truth, um, you know, in a season that might not always be fun, (laughs) that might not always be, um, you know, a good time or feel lonely sometimes. Um, Just know that you are truly not alone, um, that you're here for a reason, that your life has purpose. Um, so we hope that you'll join us next time. I think we're going to be doing a word study, right? Yes. Yes. That will be fun. 
Okay. Yes. So we're, I get them like, so sometimes guys, we have so many things that we want to talk about. Sometimes I forget. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing like a word study, kind of going through a word, um, in the Greek, we might do Hebrew at 1.2, just to kind of study that. Um, so we'll kind of go into that a little bit more next time, but, um, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said before, and we'll see you next time.